Welcome to Sustainable Action Matters, where you will meet the people who are impacting sustainability behaviors on scales that matter. We'll explore the most effective actions for creating a greener future and how behavioral science is applied to scale them up. I'm your host, Todd Rogers. Eileen Westervelt is not thinking small. Working with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, she has embarked on an effort to promote and increase energy-saving behaviors across the entirety of the U.S. Army. To this effort, she brings over 25 years of experience in the energy field. A seasoned professional engineer, she is passionate about making facility energy savings real and persistent and engages the people aspect of energy systems to ensure lasting results. Her observations on the human side of facilities energy management have been featured in classes and conferences for the Building Commissioning Association, the Behavior, Energy, and Climate Change Conference, and by the way, this year's edition is coming right up, and a brand new chapter on behavior change in the Guide to Energy Management, which is something of a sacred text in the energy management field. Today we'll find out how the Army's culture can create hurdles to adopting conservation behaviors, as well as provide some surprising opportunities. Along the way, we'll find out what the Army's utility bill is, you know you want to know this, and even learn how energy management can save lives in the field. Eileen Westervelt, thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Todd. I'm glad to be here. And uh, before we jump into talking about this massive task that you have set for yourself here, I wanted to ask you just a little bit about how you got here, how you got to where you're at. And if I may add something of my own interest here, you know, I come from a very humanistic side of working with people and engagement and education. And because I'm in the energy management s- sphere, um, I've worked with a lot of engineers over the years. And what I found is typically engineers want to design the human being out of any any system, right? Okay, So we have... Uh, uh, motion sensors, occupancy sensors for, for lights. We have programmable thermostats or we have building management systems uh, to kind of get these troublesome people out of the way. And so I'm really interested how, how you got wrapped up in looking at energy behaviors. Uh, so I'm a mechanical engineer and I work uh, on building energy performance from uh, building controls to the people that use them. And uh, over my career, I've, I've had the chance to work from the strategic grants plan level uh, right down to the tactical make it happen. And it's in that tactical make it happen that, that I have found that we need more than technical solutions. And we need more than technical solutions because the building energy system is more than just a physical mechanical system. It's, it's more than bricks and boilers. People are part of the system and they need to be incorporated into the solution. That's uh, an enlightened approach, right? And um, it sounds like maybe you're understanding that the people have the um, opportunities to mess things up, but maybe there's also an opportunity on the other side to increase the impacts. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And 
I mean, I've just found time and time again by, by trial and error and mostly error, you know, that, that a technical solution alone doesn't work. And I found that in trying to do uh, technology demonstrations and in trying to do retro commissioning where uh, we had a project working for utility companies and we had to show the savings in the utility bills. And to get that to that point of showing the measured savings, we had to work the whole system. So um, in terms of this project that you've got, uh, that you've set out for yourself, changing energy behaviors across the Army, um, uh, how many service members are there in the Army? There are over a million. Over a million. Okay. And, you know, I'm also thinking about some of these large installations. I'm thinking about someplace like uh, like a Fort Drum in New York, northern New York State or Fort Bragg in North Carolina. Um, how many buildings would an installation like this have? Oh, an installation could have thousands of buildings. I think uh, Fort Bragg in North Carolina has about 3,000 buildings. In one installation. So you're really talking about something like a small city. Indeed, indeed. In, in, every, in every case. So um, I'm interested to, um, I guess, before we get into the nitty gritty, um, what, is, what is your vision of how this might look? Well, we started with uh, piecing together a vision for our organization, for the whole Army, and, and looking at the large-scale impacts that we could have. And, and the vision is really audacious. You know, we, we want to save millions for the mission. And, and since we have a billion-dollar energy bill, even saving a small percentage of that bill is real money. Uh, we know that we want to get to optimal energy use. And, and that's not the theoretical efficiency limit because real life is not a, a, a laboratory. Uh, we want to have a built-in efficiency as a fault, but we want to be cost-effective and, and risk-appropriate. And we're looking for engaged shared ownership so that everyone's deputized to help. And we're looking for both top-down and bottom-up efforts. So efforts at, at the Department of Army level and efforts at the individual building uh, on an installation. Um, we are hoping that we get to a point where everyone's all in for efficiency. So, so that's like our big vision for, for the organization. But then... To get there, we, we, we have a strategy, you know, where we, where we figure out where we are right or uh, where we want to go uh, and then where we are right now and then make a path to getting there. Okay. And what would that path look like? Well, it uh, starts with um, determining your current relationship with efficiency, uh, the pulse of the culture, and, 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 and the gaps in efficiency, whatever is separating us from our optimal efficiency. And, and so that would include like surveys and interviews and focus groups, and then, and then benchmarking where we're at with uh, benchmarking business structures and, and, and tactics to help people use um, technology effectively and efficiently. And then 
working both ends of the organization from the top. Uh, you work with the multiple um, groups in the army um, that are, are setting the roles and the rules and the tools for the organization. So you, you track policy and requirements and uh, you make changes to move us forward. And then uh, when, when you're working the bottom at the installation level or at, at the, the individual building, you're looking at the circumstances of people in the building or um, affecting the use of that building. And, and you look at their ability, motivation, and an opportunity to make the efficient choice and uh, make the efficient action. Uh, then you make plans to move people towards greater efficiency. You implement the plans and, and you keep working in an iterative approach until you get to success. And, and you adapt along the way when you find out what isn't working. Then you, you share your ideas with everyone and, and you keep working both sides, the top and the bottom, until uh, enough people have internalized the ideals of efficiency that the culture of the organization tips to a new normal. And so you you mentioned uh, getting input. Um, have you done any interviews? Have you started talking with with people in the military, finding out maybe what kind of barriers there are or what kind of opportunities there are? Oh yes, we we have, and and we we found challenges at at multiple levels. Uh, you know, a lot lot of the classical things uh, like. Uh, they don't have enough staff. They don't have enough money. They don't have the training. They don't have enough time. Uh, but but then there's there's other issues that um, people think that um, the the human side of efficiency will take care of itself. You know that we engineers just just want to tell you you need a thermostat and you're good to go. Uh, but but that's not enough. Uh, the the other issue is that. When we mention energy behavior to people, they say, well, that's too difficult. I'm not a social scientist. Or, or, mm-hmm. or, or, mm-hmm. or what you've said <laughs> is, is that, you know, they, they think that technology will take care of us, uh, that, you know, the, the smart technology will allow the user to be passive and we will get where we want to go. But in reality, that technology needs our help. Uh, so, so there's all kinds of issues like that. And then one of the biggest is that there's so many people involved. And, and it's just um, everyone that somehow touches or uh, affects that building for the whole life cycle. Um, I uh, learned this lesson <laughs> the hard way, of course, uh, trying to do um, a demonstration of, of high, efficiency, high efficiency retrofits for buildings. And uh, we had designed the technically optimal retrofit and we had great expectations. And uh, we, uh, we came up with a plan for insulation and high performance windows and, and we built it and we looked at our energy savings and we didn't find any. Mm. And, and so, 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 so then the fun began you know, <laughs> and, and we started looking around and we said, aha, you know, 
the, the windows are open uh, while the heat is on. Well, you can't save a lot of energy with high performance windows when the windows are open. No, you, and, know, you, you know, can't. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, we, we wanted to, to blame the soldier, you know, but, but it turns out that absolutely everybody involved uh, with the building uh, had a role to play in in the way the the building performed and just turning off the heat was not easy they had to get under their uh, their bed behind a panel to access mm. the thermostat and once we moved the thermostat out to where it was easily accessible and had instructions on the thermostat of, of how to turn it off uh, before you open the window and had the expectations of what we wanted to have happen, uh, the soldiers cooperated and the energy use went down. And it sounds like when you're talking about you know energy behaviors that you're not just talking about the people who are living and working in that space, you're also talking about the operators. Oh, indeed. Yeah. What the operators are doing and, and why, and can we help them be more effective in their role? Uh, we did some surveys of over 50 installations and asked them questions uh, by different roles, like, like the HVAC technician and said, you know, are you logging the changes that you make to a building, which is a key uh, to having an efficient building. Uh, we, we asked them, can, can you find the plans for your building? Do you post uh, maps of, of equipment so you know which piece of equipment is serving which area? And, and so these, these are behaviors of the people that are affecting the overall energy use of the building. Todd, another challenge uh, that we uh, noticed is that although Army policy identifies the, the desire and need to have culture change, and so our group has put together a systematic process that we call the human-centered efficiency process, where we combine the best ideas from energy management change management, and, and army processes to have a holistic, effective um, approach to energy management. We are going to take a short break, and don't go far. We will be right back. All right, welcome back. I am here with Eileen Westervelt. And um, one of the things I was thinking about, um, you know, in, in an organization like the Army, following instructions and orders is, is important. And I got wondering about, you know, if you're asking people to make changes in their day-to-day, -day, in their routine, in terms of adjusting a temperature or turning off a light is that something that's a challenge uh, that you've run into? Do, do people feel empowered to make those kinds of choices? They do feel challenged uh, because they are, as you said, used, used to uh, following orders. And so 
we have to make it okay for them to suggest changes and to make changes and recognize that since they're on the front lines of the energy use, they have insights that we don't have. We need their help. We need their ideas. Yeah, that is so important to to realize and, and important to let people know that they can make these changes. Um, and I, I wonder if you're going to run into some resistance uh, within that as, as you go forward. It's going to be interesting to see how that works. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sure we'll run into resistance, but uh, we'll adapt our approaches a, a, as we go along. If something doesn't work, we'll try something else. And uh, in terms of allowing uh, or letting people know that they can make changes, one uh, effective measure that we've done is put up stickers that say, please turn the lights off when not in use. And so people know that they have the authority to make that change. And that's something that we want. We may say, save Army energy. Some of the unique aspects of our human-centered efficiency process is to incorporate the social science insights, to look at the mechanisms of behavior um, at an individual level and at an organizational level and and trying to uh, nudge those factors towards the desired outcome. Um, at At the individual level, we're looking at an individual's um, ability, motivation, and opportunity to take an action. And all those factors need to be um, present for the action to take place. So we say it's a product of the ability, motivation, and opportunity. It would seem that in uh, an organization like the Army that um, there would be a lot of opportunity to reference back to the social group because uh, in terms of motivating behavior, um, we talk about this idea of social norming, of making this the thing to do or the cool thing to do. And it would seem like you sort of have opportunities baked in within the structure here. If you have groups that are working very closely together over time, is that is that true? Oh, very definitely. Uh, one of the prime motiv- motivators for a soldier is to support their small group, uh, to support their teammates. Now, you've put together uh, actually a very impressive report, really a survey of um, kind of where you're at, what you have discovered so far, what kinds of steps you want to take going forward. Um, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll be able to make that available to our our, our listeners uh, to take a look at. But within this study, you talked about uh, some various examples of um, installations that have tried some things. Yes. Well, we, we, we searched high and low for who, who's actively uh, working the human side of efficiency. And we did find a handful of locations that had implemented classic energy behavior uh, efforts. And those included Fort Carson and Joint Base Andrews, Detroit Arsenal, uh, the Marine Corps, and even the Air Force. 
I have applied some classical energy behavior efforts that mostly focused on building occupants uh, and, and found some short-term savings of, of 1% to 17%. But then also uh, there's been locations like Fort Irwin and the Oregon National Guard that have partnered with the local utilities um, to, to glean energy and cost savings. Uh, but, oh, but beyond that, all installations are doing some form of occupant engagement and energy awareness. And there are multiple uh, grassroots, uh, grassroots efforts uh, from people uh, to get to a greater efficiency. And one current initiative we have is documenting those efforts. Who's doing what and how well is it working so that we can share the wealth, share, share the collective knowledge. Additionally, the, the Navy has worked on um, energy behavior methods uh, for operational energy in, in forward basing, where uh, energy use uh, can cause, does cause casualties uh, when you're refueling uh, and you need more energy for your operations. And so it's, it's very important, and, and they're applying a lot of energy behavior techniques. Now, who are you working with uh, on these efforts? Um, and uh, you work with a division called the uh, CERL. Yes. Uh, CERL stands for the Construction Engineering Research Laboratory, and we're one of seven laboratories uh, that are part of the um, Army Corps of Engineers. Um, and the, the scope of, of CERL is vast, but the particular group that I work with, the controls team in the energy branch, uh, we work on supporting the city side of installations regarding energy use. Um, so those, that's where I draw my internal um, people, or that's where I start to draw my internal people, and then just expands because uh, we've put together a multidisciplinary team beyond the controls group, and and we have engineers and sustainability people, and and we have active and, and veteran military to give us insights. Uh, we have social scientists. We have some on contract that. Um, have had experience in military culture change. Uh, we're also uh, socializing our efforts across the Army, and, and the Army is so large that, that, that even the, the organizations that work on the installations are, are, are multifold, uh, that there's the strategy group and the policy group and the resourcing group and the execution. We're, we're talking to everybody uh, that, uh, that will listen. Um, at the installation level, uh, we've engaged with, um, in some locations, the, the garrison commander, as well as the wrench turner, uh, who's, who's working on the HVAC equipment. Um, in addition, uh, because we're just trying to bring multiple minds to bear and, and, and multiple perspectives, um, I have a group of uh, colleagues 
uh, from around the world that are working energy behavior in uh, assorted um, aspects. And, and we gather together uh, regularly on the phone and just encourage each other and uh, offer advice. So, so the group is large. It's not, uh, it's not something that one person can do alone. We really do need the, uh, the ideas from many. Yeah, and I'm struck by how well-supported this effort sounds, um, that there's some real resources behind this. Yeah, well, there is a lot of guidance that calls for changing the culture in the Army to an energy-conscious culture. And, and so the guidance is there, uh, and our group is working out the details of, of how to bring that about. And I think that coming from the engineering side is a real help uh, to the efforts. I, I think it, it adds credibility for the energy managers that often have uh, an engineering background that we're, we're not getting all squishy on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Talking to the, talking to the humanists here. Uh, yeah. But we're, uh, we're, we're talking very practical. We're, we're yeah. helping people use technology yeah. effectively and efficiently. So, so we're looking at the technology, the people who use it and the processes that support that effective use. Absolutely. Will you come back and, uh, talk to us again sometime and tell us how it's going. I would enjoy that. Yeah, we, we'd love to hear so, hear what kind of progress is happening with such a massive undertaking. Eileen Westervelt, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, again, keep in touch. Will do. Thanks much. It's a tall order. And to meet the challenge, Eileen Westervelt is taking a multifaceted approach to influencing energy behaviors across the Army. With a billion-dollar utility bill, the Army understands that nudging behaviors even a little bit will yield a significant payoff. She's discovered that something as simple as providing a prompt with signage, such as turn off the lights, has perhaps a greater impact in her setting than most since soldiers often do not realize they have the authority to take even such a small action without specific direction. We also discussed how a strong sense of loyalty and devotion in a unit can be a significant reinforcement mechanism for the adoption of energy-saving behaviors. We are looking forward to hearing more about this effort, and we will keep you all updated. In the meantime, go ahead and download Eileen's report Enhancing Army Energy Culture with Behavioral Approaches at the Sustainable Action Matters website. Thanks for listening today. Sustainable Action Matters is a production of Energy Training Solutions, and you can find us at energytrainers.net forward slash podcast, where you can subscribe to the podcast or listen to past episodes.
Thanks for listening today. Sustainable Action Matters is a production of Energy Training Solutions, and you can find us at energytrainers.net forward slash podcast, where you can subscribe to the podcast or listen to past episodes.